Welcome back to Podcast 99. I'm Ryan Lichten. I know it has been a while. We don't really do too much Woodstock 99 stuff because we've done it all. But there is a new trailer out for an HBO-produced documentary about Woodstock 99. It's the first of several Woodstock 99 documentaries that are coming out. So we started seeing some new followers, new listeners, got some new emails from some new survivors, and decided to kick up the... uh, the old dust at Griffiths Air Force Base, you know, dust off our, you know, $7 bottles of water and head back to the shit. So one of these emails we got was from a man named Aaron Pacey. And Aaron is actually in the official Woodstock 99 DVD and VHS. He was also on the Fox coverage and he's in this trailer. And he's the guy that says one of the best quotes from any Woodstock 99 uh, video footage that there is. Uh, He's the guy that says, It's been a great time, but there are a lot of really stupid humans around here. Who has, like, all we've been hearing is show us your show us your I don't understand. There's great music happening. They paid all this money. We're going to see what's the bottom sign, eh? Hey, all right. Show me this yeah. Show us your brain. Yes. So it's it's that guy, and we I, I think we might have played that before. We've definitely talked about it, um, and you know we'll, we'll post a, a clip onto our Patreon, uh, Patreon.com/slash/CultureDumps. But without further ado, this is Survivor Stories with Aaron Pacey. Hello, and welcome to another Survivor Story. I'm sitting here with Aaron Pacey. He is a legend in the podcast 99 world because you are not only in the official Woodstock 99 DVD VHS, but you were also on the Fox coverage that was, you know, hosted by the cast of that 70s show. Uh, Are you ready to go all the way back to 99? Yes, I am 100% ready to go back to 1999. Let's get in the, the time machine. Let's hop back and do it, man. Yeah, yeah. Let's get uh, let's let's get all your cash for your you know fifty million dollar wa- bottles of water. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> you, how did you find us? Because it's kind of interesting. So, so set it up like we, you saw the trailer, right, for the documentary. Yeah, a, a friend of mine actually uh, sent it to me, and he's like, "Hey, I know this guy," you know, and, and he put a mark on it, you know, and I'm I look and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, I'm in the I'm in the documentary," <laughs> and I'm like, "All right, well that's cool." So. Uh, I, on Twitter, I, I posted something about it and, uh, one gentleman responded, he said, you were there. And I said, yeah, man, this is me at this mark. And he's, and he is a, a music culture journalist in New Zealand. His name is Chris Schultz. And he contacted me. He's like, yeah, I'd like to talk to you about it. And I'm like, oh man, I, I'll try to remember what I can, but I mean, there's some things that are fused for sure in the memory. But, uh, so we talked a lot on the phone for a while and, um, he just put out a little, uh, article about it. And I, I thought to myself, I'm just so glad that, you know, I like, well, once again, there are no cell phones all over the place. Well, if you're being filmed, you're being filmed by usually either professionals or who are doing it or somebody who's got their home video nobody's ever going to see. So either a lot of people are going to see it or no one's going to see it, but no one's going to be able to put any names to faces or link anything because, right. you know, so I'm just glad that when I was caught on camera, I was on the right side of history and the right <laughs> side of shit instead of just, you know, instead of swimming in poop. 
or whatever, or we're tearing yeah. a wall down or grabbing some woman's breast, you know, yeah. instead of that, I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck, man? Yeah, you're kind of the voice of reason. It's hilarious, too, because on those official DVD and VHS releases, like, they don't really show too much of the bad stuff, you know? Like, like they really don't show any of the, the riot stuff happening. Um, and you are kind of, like, the only, like, beacon in the whole thing that lets everyone know that, like, hey, like, while this whole thing might be edited crazy, like, there's a lot of dumb people going around, like you said, show us your brain. Uh, that That's right. the, the, the famous quote f- from you. So... Let's walk it back. The year is 1999. Okay. They announced that yeah. Woodstock 99 is happening. When do you know that you're going? What What's your first thought when you see yeah. the flyers? Uh, d- tell me about that. Right. I, I knew immediately I was going. One, because I, I live in Pennsylvania and it's in New York State, so it's not far. So I got that. Um, I, I've I've done I was uh, I was 24 at the time that year and I've had plenty of experience. Uh, Lollapalooza's Ozfest. Grateful Dead Fish, you know, I've done all kinds of concerts, festival camping around the events, all that stuff. So I knew that I was, you know, ready to take on whatever Woodstock 99 would be. I, I thought I I thought I was ready <laughs> yeah. to take on whatever it would be. But um, uh, and yeah, the acts, a, a lot of the bands, uh, I've, I've always been a rock metal guy, you know. Um, so a lot of the bands I've already seen. In fact, that same summer, uh, Godsmack and I think Reveille were both on Ozfest. I'd seen them like a month before, you know, in right. Burgettstown outside Pittsburgh. Um, so, you know, a lot of I'd seen Rage before. Um, I just there were a lot of bands there that I already checked out, but other ones I hadn't. Some of the bigger ones I'd never seen Metallica live or Megadeth, you know. So I'm like, all right, these are bands I've always wanted to see live. Um, but I knew I, I knew I was going to go, and I was working at a, a like a restaurant coffee house at the time called One Thousand French. It's a little coffee place, a restaurant. And uh, I put a tip jar out uh, in the front when I worked the register and I put Aaron's Woodstock fund and like a little thermometer going up, you know, like uh, (laughs) Jerry's kids kind of thing. Right. Right. And I was getting tips like I'm like, this is what I'm going to buy my Woodstock ticket with this, you know, so help me out. I mean, tips, it just filled up pretty quickly. So I was able to purchase my ticket. And uh, I had two friends, uh, 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 John and Tamara, one man, one woman who they're like, yeah, I want to go. So we all hopped in my car and. We, but you know, once again, we were experienced, so we had all the the right gear. We had lots of water. We had lots of beer because we knew we were going to fucking shell out bucks for beer the whole time, you know. Right. Yeah. Our own food, you know. So we we, we came ready for for anything, um, and it just it went in obviously in a direction we, we didn't expect it to. Uh, but uh, that's, so that's how we, we got the, dis- the decision to go there. And I looked it up today. I wanted to say, I couldn't remember how long the drive was from Erie where I live in Pennsylvania to Rome. And I looked it up today and it's four hours and 20 minutes. And I thought, <laughs> well, that's perfect. Classic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, obviously, so you guys camped then, right? Yeah. So and- yeah, we, we get, th- we got there on Thursday. Uh, we drove in. And um, uh, I said this in my email, but I, there's a guy selling bootleg shirts. It's like we're in the we're on the street driving in a line, inching our way towards the thing. And there's a guy with bootleg T-shirts. And I obviously want to get a Woodstock 99 shirt. So but the shirt he has is this white T-shirt it says Woodstock 99. It's got black tribal on it. You know, the same shit you see on all the tattoos of the shirtless guys in every mosh pit there. Right. Yeah. And it's got this green, angry faced alien <laughs> with a big fucking pointy stick. And if you watch the, the, the video that I'm in, I'm wearing that shirt. You can right. see he's kind of raised over his head, an angry look. 
And I'm like, like this, is, this all, yeah, I'm like, you don't have a tie dye or nothing, man. He's like, no. So I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll take it. Cause I needed it. It 10 bucks. It was the cheapest I was going to find anywhere. I guarantee inside it was going to be astronomical. So it's like, I'll take it. So, but I should have known there that things were going to be odd. You know, it was going to be different. Um, I knew off the bat that it wasn't going to be anything like Woodstock 69. I mean, the, the, not only is the music different, but our times and our culture are completely, completely different. So I knew it wasn't going to be anything like that, but I at first expected that we were all going to be like, well, Hey, we're all in this together. Let's just get down and have a good time. You know, I yeah. expected it to be, yeah, I expected it to be a garbage dump at the end, you know, cause people are assholes and, in large groups and whatever number it ended up being finally said and done. If it, if it was 200,000 people, the city I live in is a hundred thousand people. Yeah. You know, so you got, you got, you got garbage, man. You got sewers, you got everything a city has to deal with for half that many people. And they didn't have any of that shit. And that all obviously started to develop over the days. But the first day we get there, everything seems pretty good. Um, we set up a camp inside, we roll in the, the security guards or that open your cooler, opened our cooler. They didn't care how much beer or water we brought in there like whatever. So we just brought our shit in and, uh, we go find a little campsite and, uh, my buddy, John, he sets his tent up and I brought, um, like a little hammock, a little portable hammock, with like two rings on the side of it. It's just like mesh, you know, and you could tie it up almost anywhere. Right. Yeah. Um, I brought that for, cause it was summer. I was like, you know, there'll be times I could sleep under the stars wherever they may be, you know? Then I realized, well, there's not going to be a tree in sight. So I'm gonna, if I'm going to use this sound, I'll have to find other ways, right. other ways to do it. Yeah. Well, what was your first thought? Like when, like once you get past the gates and everything, and it's time to set up, like, because obviously it's yeah. Thursday, so nothing was really like wrecked or anything. But was there kind of a thought, right. like, whoa, this is like kind of a shitty setup, like already? Well, I mean, we it was shitty in the sense that it was so open, and we were already dealing with the heat, and we knew the rest of the three days was only going to be as warm or hotter. So we were already like, man, this is going to be you know, a serious uh, uh, something to contend with, you know, Mother Nature here. So we were prepared for that. But but, uh, you know, again, I, you know, I, I, when I go to stuff like that, I, I wear, you know, stuff you wear if you're going to be in the sun all day. You know, like I, I've been to every I've been to so many Ozfests where all these kids are wearing all this black and I'm and they're laying in the grass already. I'm like, what are you right. doing, kid? Come on, man. Yeah. You can find you can find a, a you can find a white black Sabbath T-shirt. I promise you. I promise. Yeah. You, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No one's so, going to think less of you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but but uh, my my first inkling, it was actually really positive when we get set as we're setting up because the sun is starting to go down. We, we got there right about that time. The sun is starting to set. And I hear this roar off in the distance and it sounds like a freight train. It's like, what the fuck? You know, these are trains around here and it's starting to get louder and closer. And I realize it's a wave. It's people screaming and it's starting like at one end of the place and moving as people are setting up their camps and moving across the whole place. And you can feel, you know, if you've ever been in a large crowd doing any kind of wave, you know, or anything like that, it's just, it's straight energy, right? So you feel right. this wave, not just the noise, but the, you're getting goosebumps all over you and you feel it just building and building. And then next thing you know, you're screaming and everybody around you screaming like, yeah, ah, you know, and it's like, it was yeah, really yeah. like, it was the most unified I felt I was like, we're all one. Yeah, I'm gonna take this hit of acid. We're gonna have a great time. And then it was like, oh, hold on, hold on a second. It's not gonna go that way. You know? right. 
Did you uh, did you check out the pre-show at all on, on Thursday? That there was that like um, first little concert bit. I know a lot of most people we talked to, even if they got there early, they're like, no, we were more concerned about just setting up. Yeah, no, we we did go over to see. Uh, we saw the very tail end of it, but that's when uh, George Clinton came on. Right. And we didn't like. I don't know if we didn't see a, a sign or anything that I saw some signs with you know the the lineups for the days, but I didn't see anything on on that night. I didn't think there were supposed to be bands. I thought it was going to be like rave party, just everybody come and dance, you know, whatever. And then so we got there, and there's some bands playing. Never heard. I'm like, all right, well that's great. There's some music. And then they they announced that it's George Clinton's birthday. That was his birthday, and that he's going to come out and play for y'all, you know. And I I thought it was a surprise. Like I didn't realize it was scheduled to happen. Uh, not, not his birthday. That was already scheduled years right. before, obviously, <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, but I, I, I thought it was, I'm like, Oh shit. Oh, special birthday gig for George Clinton, you know? So, uh, and I, I thought that was spectacular. You know, I, I, right. I really enjoyed that. And, uh, then after that, you know, I ended up for that, th- that evening, just uh, dancing all night long, partying with people, moving about the place. Um, I, I had, I had dosed a little LSD. So I was just like, Get my groove on, having fun. <laughs> Not you know, even day uh, one, uh, uh, on yeah. day, day pre one. Yeah, yeah. No, I made it because I knew it was at. A, we were going to an Air Force base, so I made a T-shirt, a white T-shirt that said "Drop Acid, Not Bombs," because I knew <laughs> I was going to be on like where they actually had like B fifty two strato fortresses or something on on this base, you know. So I'm like, this is this is kind of fun, you know. So I'm going to wear this shirt and. Uh, that first night, like I said, the first Thursday was if, if I if it all went like Thursday, it would have been so spectacular. Uh, but um, I'm dancing around. I wore a mask like a, um, like a Mardi Gras mask over my eyes, you know, just one of those little piece of plastic ones. Yeah. And I'm dancing. Yeah. I'm dancing. And this and this girl comes up to me and she is straight out of, you know, she's she's Nordic. She's Swedish or Norwegian or Finnish or something. Blonde, tall. And she dances up. She's like, uh, why do you have a mask on? And I said, and I am, I am peeking. I'm like, this is, we're having a good time. I'm like, because I'm a superhero. You know, I said, because I'm a superhero. She goes, what's your special power? I said, I can see through space and time. And I think she got weirded out by that because she kind of danced off away from me there. And I was like, well, I blew that one. All right, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So close. Yeah. But I, I definitely didn't come. I wasn't there. I don't go to shows like that to to hook up or not like that. First of all, I knew everybody was going to be dirty. Right. You yeah. know, so, you know, that's that's kind of gross to me. But I'm not saying, I mean, you know, hook up, hook up, whatever. As long as it's consensual. Yes, you know, I don't yes. really give a shit. But, of course. But, yeah, so the first first night's great. I ended up tying my hammock up uh, over near, like, the peace wall uh, with the piping that they had uh, the holding up the peace wall. So I, I hooked my hammock up between two of these pipes and, you know, slept the night just dangling there, and that was great. And no one, bo- and, no, uh, no one bothered you for, for hanging onto the wall or anything like that? Nope. Not at all. Nobody. I don't, I think, I think I was like invisible. You know what I mean? It's like nobody. If, <laughs> that was your you real know, superpower. It, yeah. 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 I, I think people could, weren't paying attention to most, most things. And, and that wasn't, uh, you know, that wasn't too odd. Some dude sleeping in a hammock there, but uh, I think, I think a lot of, obviously we you know a lot of stuff went on that, you know, people just let pass by. But right. First they went okay. And then, and then Saturday, I don't the thing or Friday. I don't. There are things about Friday and Saturday. I don't. I did make a list of the bands I saw. Like because oh, before I went, I'm like, here. Here's how I remembered if I saw a band. One, I knew before I was going, I was going to see them. I'm like, this band I have to check out. Uh, or if something really stuck with me, you know, during the, a set. Um, so yeah, Friday. I know I saw uh, the Roots, um, Live and Corn. 
And uh, I know you, I listened to some of your podcasts. I know you guys dissed on live and I totally get it. It comes off as such pretentious kind of like save the world <laughs> bullshit. But, but, you know, I, I, I appreciated some of that hope, uh, if you will, you know, yeah, but um, absolutely. And in fact, Live is one of the few bands, Live and then some of the other bands that may have gone on to other Ozfest or something, but Live is one of the few bands I saw after Woodstock as well as before Woodstock. Um, and Corn, I saw Corn too. How close uh, were but, you up for Corn? Like, like where were you in the sea? Because it's scary. Uh, man, I'm fucking in a zip code blocks and blocks and blocks away. Uh, I am, I'm, it, it's like I, I have done, I, I, I'm a little old now, my knees don't agree with me so much. Uh, but I've been plenty of mosh pits and I really enjoy moshing, but only when I'm in a pit that is the controlled chaos that it's supposed to be like a, the social compact we're supposed to have. Right. Yes. Yes. We, we agree that we're going to do something that a number one is supposed to be fun and cathartic. B is inherently dangerous. Uh, C we're going to try to help each other if it gets dangerous or someone gets hurt and D we police ourselves. Like if the dickheads are going to come in, then we'll take care of the dickheads or whatever. Right. right. None of that was happening at the mosh pits. Right. At, it's at mostly dickheads. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, we had me and my buddy, John, we always had a thing. If we go to a show, we could tell who the dickheads were going to be because they were the first ones to take their shirts off. Yeah. Every fucking dude <laughs> at Woodstock is not, you know, is not wearing their shirts. So, I mean, that's our little anecdotal uh, 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 litmus test. But, um, yeah, I didn't. I don't get anywhere near that kind of thing. I mean, I I, I watched I watched rewatched that corn performance the other night, and uh, I can't even imagine if you were anywhere near the center, you had to go a football field just to get out of the midst of people. Like, I, I, if you were had an uh, anxiety attack, if you were claustrophobic, or somehow you got swept up in there, and you you think, okay, if I'm going to go in this direction, I get 50 feet, I'm out. Oh, I get 100 feet, I'm out. Oh my gosh! Oh yeah. my gosh! And it's just people, and and that whole thing is that corn thing is moving like it's its own beast you know it's its right. own creature right there that that's what we we always said when we watch it because it, it really erupts you know and it has a lot to do with their first song you know and, and how that song builds and everything in your experience having been to all these other major festivals of the era and everything like does that stand out to you as being like extra crazy looking back on it yes 100 percent, 100 percent. um the, the just the logistics, the amount of people is the biggest mosh pit I'd ever been anywhere near or, or seen. Um, um, and then uh, just that that energy and that that song and they start off, you know, they start off, you know, are you ready? Right. So that's just a clarion call for like, here it goes, yeah. whatever it is going to be. Here it goes. And we're here. We're, we're like, we're at the top of the roller coaster. Are you ready? And yeah. the fucking thing just so like 90 degree drop for a thousand feet. I mean, it was just insane. And I mean, my jaw, I'd seen lots of big pits uh, and I'd, I'd, I'd seen people do crazy shit uh, in at Ozfest and Burgett's town on the lawn area. People pull up all the sod in the dirt and start throwing it around. You know, I've seen that yeah. shit, but this was unlike anything I'd ever seen in my life. And I was impressed uh, on one hand and um, a little bit uh, terrified on the other, like, Whoa, man, this is, um, I, I, I like to think I, I have, I, I like to think I have an understanding of mob mentality. Like it's something I'm interested in, read about, and watch about and study, you know, um, because I've been in a lot of crowds and at a few times where things have gone off. So I find it very interesting. And in today's world where, 
anything insane can happen in a crowd at any moment, being alert yeah. and aware and that kind of thing is important. Right. So that's how I, I'm, be, I'm a tall guy. I'm like six, six. So I could, I could be on the outskirts of, of, of it, see things. I wanted to be able to move. I wanted to be able to move around and not be able to worry about what's going on. I have my head on a swivel the whole time though. I'm watching because I'm, I'm realized as you know, not as even on that night, I'm like, people are burnt out, man. They are, they're overheated. Uh, they're, they're angry at shit. They're, you know, the water thing was on everybody's tongue. Everybody's, you know, uh, and that was on the first day. Like that. So on the first day, everyone already has this kind of shitty attitude by the end of the night. Um, right. But as you're walking around in the daytime, uh, you know, I, I know we were, we were just talking about corn and I'm always so excited to get to Saturday whenever I talk to anyone because that's, yeah, that's, yeah. that's the day. And, of, and then, of course, Sunday night. But, you know, when you walk in, it's the very first day. It's not the pre-show anymore. And now everyone that's yeah. going to be there for the whole weekend pretty much is there. Like, when did it really start becoming apparent? Like, like, can you remember anything specifically like just walking the grounds from stage to stage where you're like, oh, this isn't set up? like correctly or when you started seeing people get kind of negative? Um, well, uh, for, uh, I had, a one guy I saw, he was, uh, selling some weed to somebody like, you know, three feet from me. And, uh, and, uh, one of the peace patrol, a couple of, there's like a pair of them, a peace patrol people are walking by and the, the dude who was buying, it's like trying to like, you know, cover up like this. And the dude's like, man, I just sold some, some peace patrol five minutes ago. They don't give a shit. <laughs> You know, and I'm like, and I'm like, okay, well, uh, okay, so that's understandable. In the one sense, they know there's going to be too many drugs for them to do anything with. Right. You know, they're not going to be able to stop these people doing it. Um, but uh, it, it, on that day, uh, on Friday, you started to see the guys um, because more women were were walking around without shirts on. Yeah, um, you started seeing more guys. You gathering in groups and saying, "Show us your tits." Yeah, you know, and it, it was stuff. just like. And I'm like, you don't, and there's so many reasons I didn't understand it. Number one, you don't have to scream it. There, there are women walking around with their tits out. You don't have to, <laughs> it's like, yeah, you know, it's, it's there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also, I mean, it was, it was, it was kind of puerile in that sense. And I mean, like I said, I was 24. I don't know what the median age, like, I'd love to know what like the median age of the crowd was, you know, that kind of thing. But um, they see, these guys seemed a bit younger than me, not too much, but a bit younger um, but I had that shit didn't, doesn't mean anything. I, I came from an acting background, like live theater. Right. Right. And it was with a, a here in area place called the roadhouse theater. And it was avant-garde edgy kind of theater stuff, you know? And, uh, I've been in Rocky horror picture show where we did eight o'clock, uh, Saturday night shows, took a break and party, then did a midnight show and then partied all night long. And I was like 17 years old. So I was exposed to titties and freak flags <laughs> and weird shit from a young age, right. you know what I mean? Yeah. So, not, so, so it, there's people like, what was the weirdest stuff you saw? I'm like, I really see a, when it comes to, you know, freaky stuff, not a lot of that seemed too freaky to me. Um, the weird stuff was just the way people were kind of, you know, angry, uh, not being nice, uh, even to like random strangers who are passing by. And that I wasn't used to, even when I go to fucking Ozfest, Right. And you know, it's once again, it's the heavy, angry music. Right. Uh, yeah. But, but it's like nodding, you know, it's like when the bikers are driving down the road and one biker puts his hand out to another biker, you know what I mean? It's like, you do that, right? That vibe started to disappear. Um, Friday going into that evening, um, started to disappear. And by Saturday when we woke up, 
again, I, I was, because I was prepared, I was high, even though I was on some psychedelics a couple of times, smoking weed the whole time, drank a little bit, not too much, just because of the heat and having to replenish with water. I was right, like, yeah. I'm going to balance that. And, uh, so I woke up pretty feeling pretty good on, on Saturday, but everybody I fucking looked at looked like a zombie, man. Looked like a zombie. <laughs> yeah, and, everyone's looking and, at you like, did you just get here or something? Like, why aren't you feeling like yeah. as, as such shit as as we are? I know, I know, but yeah, that was that was Friday, and then um and then Saturday, uh, uh, bands wise, I, I saw uh, uh, Los Lobos. Mickey Hart, Planet Drum, you know, because like I said, I not only was uh, uh, metal my thing, but I I did the hippie ship for a while, you know what I mean? Yeah, you're just a rock um, and roll veteran, you know. At, 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 you're yeah. a warrior, yeah. Uh, I, you just well, live music's great, you know. Live and getting together, the feel, getting together with a bunch of people with a like-minded uh, goal is nice, you know, when it works yeah. out, right? Absolutely. Um, uh, Rage and I uh, saw Metallica, and you know, uh, of that day. Uh, I gotta say that I didn't see Limp Biscuit. Okay. I wasn't a big I wasn't a big fan of Limp Biscuit musically. I think they're fine. Um, I don't like Fred Durst's voice. That whiny thing just gets on my nerves. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a, just a thing. But but uh, I, I you know I didn't have anything against them. But I didn't see them, so I didn't see any of that shit off. But I was listening to your your the one episode of your podcast where you talked about that day and Limp Biscuit set. And boy, the part where he is, he is uh, talking into the mic and there's a reverb happening and he's like, all my people over here, all my people over here, yeah. all my people over there on the paper. And when he's doing that and I'm listening, I got my headphones as I'm listening to that and I was outside getting ready to muddle on and I'm getting chills, right? It's like, it's like uh, anybody, when you're working a crowd like that and anyone can tell you if, if you look at great leaders and awful leaders, the ones who can use language and use energy and just work this crowd. And and with that reverb going, it was like this weird mystical thing, man. As I'm listening, I'm like, if I'm in that audience and I'm a Limp Biscuit fan, I am at a height of uh, uh, a wild ass consciousness that I have not been at before. Right. I have been lifted right. into this place and now where does it go? What do, and most of these people are not, most of these people are not, I, I don't want to, I don't want to insult too many, but not a lot. Just like I say, there are a lot of stupid humans, right? Not a lot right. of them are in deep intellectual thinkers. Okay? Right. Exactly. And that's certainly, and that music itself, like you said, like people, it's party rock, right? So it's not deep in any real way. Um, but it does it, it so so it, that was built by that limp biscuit by that by what's happening and all this is happening. But there's nowhere for them to let it out in any constructive way. They couldn't even mosh. They couldn't even mosh with each other in a way that wasn't breaking bones and causing concussions and lacerations, you know, or yeah. stomping people. So there was no way where for that to go. And um, um, so you, that is, uh, I do believe that the, uh, you start to see you start to feel things differently after that set. Um, again, it's not putting anything on them and it's got nothing to do with their music. Cause like you guys have said that the, the music is a reflection of, of us and our times and what's going on. It's not created in a vacuum. Right. You know? Yeah, exactly. 
Exactly. So and they, and so, yeah, it, it had a lot to do, I, I feel like, you know, with the just the age demographic. And yeah, like when you talk about these people getting re- like wrapped up in this frenzy that they might not be used to because their music on, on is like very surface level, just like angst for angst sake. So to have this right. like true like uh, and honestly, like a true Woodstock kind of psychedelic experience with like but with yeah. alcohol being the fuel, it's oh, yeah, yeah. It, it just explodes. And that's when they start tearing apart the sound towers and everything. But meanwhile, right across the way, you have Dave Matthews band and like you know or, or, right. or mickey hart or, or what have you going yeah so it's this weird thing and then and then it clashes and i feel like that goes into what you were saying with no one really being nice to each other because like at ozfest yeah. everyone's there to see that kind of music and it's the culture of that like someone falls in the pit you pick them up at woodstock right. you have a lot of people that are never been to like giant music things and are just into this shit a lot of people that snuck in have no respect for the place and it, it, yeah. it works its way out and all the crazy stupid shit that you saw go down, you know? Yeah. And they're, they're green. They're green as fuck when it comes to being able to, to deal with a, a, a festival in and of itself, let alone one that has had all its logistics completely fucking fall apart, all its amenities and stuff you need, including the basic uh, need to, to thing that'll keep you fucking alive water, you know? So they, so they didn't have any experience dealing with any of that. Right. I mean, there's a lot to be said about, the idea of privileged kind of white kids, you know, who had yeah. the money to get a ticket like that and never really uh, uh, experienced any real hardship in their lives. Um, you know, uh, and you can see these kinds of things. None of this is uh, a surprise, right? When when uh, shit breaks down, people break down, you know, and it happens on that scale over over totally controllable, totally uh, uh mitigating stuff you could mitigate all of that you could have had planned way better you could have had it all taken care of so much more from other shit that's you know uh you know national scale of of like the riots we saw and uh uh uh, protests and racial unrest and the cops and all that you know but when when you feel like you aren't being taken care of in whatever way the most shallow way or hey you're killing me literally one or the other it's like and no one seems to be listening to you it's always always and has always throughout history it breaks down somehow right until it gets rebuilt you know and so i could see all that coming and and what i really when i really realized that okay they don't fucking get this at all is and and how i when i realized when whatever happens this weekend was not going to be good was when rage against the machine played who I fucking adore, right? I love her. I'd seen him for love him. Still, still love him. And uh, they play their set. I'm blown away. And there's a dude next to me who is bouncing around, dancing the whole time, singing along the whole time. He's digging it just as much as I am, man. He's like my new brother, right? Right. <laughs> fucking making eye contact. Fuck yeah, doing whatever. Then they uh, they light the American flag on fire up on the stage. And my new bro goes insane, big fucking mad. He loses his mind. What, what the fuck are they doing? What the fuck are they doing? And he's getting mad. And That's I just look at him like. the machine. Like, have you never heard this band before? I, 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 I couldn't believe it. I'm like, uh, it's like the, um, the Nirvana song, you know. He's the one who likes all our pretty songs and he likes to sing along, but he don't know what it means. Right. It's like, bro, you don't get any of their message. And I realized then it's like that is the mo- that is the vast majority of this crowd. 
they 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 love the you know fuck you cops or fuck you system or fuck you all this shit. Uh, the majority of them didn't have anything to say. Fuck you. Here's why you need to be fucked, and here's how we make things better. None of that. Just fuck you, anarchy. Fuck you. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I realize that whatever goes off, no people aren't going to be looking out for each other here. Um, and uh, it's not going to be uh, it, when it falls apart because of, as I said, the logistics of things falling apart around me. When it falls apart, it's not going to be a unified uh, uh, thing where we're all working together to say fuck you to the man. It's just going to be fucking chaos. Yeah, you know, ab- absolutely. Uh, now, when you're talking about things breaking down, I have to ask everyone this. What'd you do about going to the bathroom? Thursday, I got there and I had to poop and I didn't. <laughs> I, I didn't. I, I, I used my Jedi mind power to get it back up and uh, and then forgot about it and was fine till Sunday. Sunday, it was like you're Two going to poop just today. Packing it in. And the- <laughs> Bro, it was terrible. It was the worst decision. Of, uh, that was the worst decision in my life to do that. Um, it, it, uh, the story is not pretty. I found a, I found a little corner with some porta potties, a big line. I waited. They were full. I mean, inside they were full. They had not been emptied. Oh. So I'm like, I'm holding myself up on the walls, and I do it. And it's uh, it's five thousand degrees in there because they're in the sun, and oh. they, you know, there's no air. And I, I'm holding my breath as long as I can. I, I when I finally get out, I'm, I'm fucking like screaming for joy. There are people clapping. You did it! You did it! You know, I was like, I poo pooed. I poo pooed. You know, so <laughs> everyone becomes like a like a potty trained like three year old yeah. at Woodstock '99. That's yeah, so, fucking hilarious. So yeah, I should have gone the first day. I had to do it the last day, but uh, but you know, yeah, yeah. So I did do that, but and I didn't know showers. I didn't mess with any of that. I knew that was going to be dirty. That, that I expected that. You know, right. So uh, when you're walking around, you know, Woodstock had all these crazy vendor village things and there was like a movie tent and and all that. And of course, the rave, which, which we'll, we'll get to it in, in a little bit. But like, yeah. did, like, were you going to see any of these vendor things like any of the tattoo booths or the Internet cafe they had or any of this weird shit? A little, I mean, a little bit. I mean, I know I've like walked around some of the vendors. Um, I didn't really bring money for much of that. So I didn't, I didn't think I bought anything. Um uh, but uh, I did go to the the movie to the hangar where they were showing the movies because it was it was the best place to take a nap during the day because it was fucking cool. It was shaded and it was quiet. Like the movie was you didn't people weren't in there making noise. They were watching the movie or as I found over. the And I, I took like two or three naps there over the course of the thing because it was the best place to go to get out of the sun and a co- relatively quiet place. And, uh, you know, I just lay down a fucking little air mattress in there and just fucking go right to sleep. I watch, I did watch blue velvet in there. Um, <laughs> nice. I don't, I don't think I watched anything else. I think the rest of the time when I went, I literally just went to go take a nap, like middle of the day there were I, like, Oh, no band that I really want to see. I get an hour to fucking sleep, you know, because there, there wasn't much of that. Um, right. But yeah, I, so that was enjoyable. Uh, uh, the drum, the drum stock, you know, that was, Oh yeah. Couldn't get away oh, from that. God. Yeah, you, you couldn't. When did like? Do you have any recollection of when that like kind of started, or when you first noticed that there was all these fucking people? And did you notice it getting bigger? I I feel like I feel like uh, on Friday uh, I, it started and then just never stopped, uh, and it definitely got bigger over time, and you could hear it from farther away. Um, but I mean, I stopped by a couple times and would look at it and you know watch it a little bit, and it was cacophonous, you know, it, it because of the size and. 
because again, everybody was not seemed to be on the same wave. It really never like found a, a any kind of groove where you could you could stand around and enjoy it uh, right. for very long. <laughs> Um, but it was, it was like a lighthouse. If you, if you didn't know where you were on the grounds, like, Oh, where am I? Oh, Oh, the drums are over here. Okay. So I am back and go, Oh, uh, drums are this way. So you would know where you are based on the sound of the fucking banging, you know? God damn. That is just out of control. Uh, well, I guess while we're talking about, uh, drum stock, as we call it, uh, the, the mud Nazis, the, the mud stock, like, there was, yeah. there seemed to have been groups of people, and this is all just stuff. I mean, obviously, I wasn't there, but it seemed to be like that. There was groups of people that really gravitated towards the mud, and that became their identity there, and like they yeah. would kind of force their will on others. Like, yeah. were, were you seeing that, or were, or did it just seem like people were just dirty? Uh, no, there was. If you went by any kind of uh, you know mud pond uh, or little you know pig wallow or whatever it was man <laughs> they was full of it was pulled full of people deliberately up in it enjoying themselves uh and yeah they would they would constantly be they, they'd be calling you in come come swim with us come play with you, you know you they, people be yeah i mean are you fucking kidding me like, no uh but uh yeah they they want you to be in there and you'd see the mud everywhere then it would just start to like spread around the place and everybody have a little bit of mud on them somewhere because you couldn't avoid it you yeah know? it's like it's like a it's like a virus you know it just like slowly yeah. spreads you have like the patient zero and then like little by little like you know you'll get a little bit on you in the pit and then yeah. that rubs off on someone else and the next thing you know everyone's got some poop on them exactly exactly and it was uh so that i and you know i, I again that that kind of thing is it, it's inevitable in the sense that people are going to uh, wallow in mud at, at big concerts it happens in a lot of big concerts right and the the mystique and the history of Woodstock 69 and uh, Woodstock uh, 94, the mud is involved. So right. you knew there was going to be people doing it. I just didn't expect them to do it like next to the fucking porta potties with the <laughs> shit in it. Like, so, you know, I was like, oh, that's really bad and disgusting. But um, they took what uh, they could I get, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, most of the time, I, I uh, when I walked around uh, in between bands or when I wasn't checking out a set, I was, I was just like walking up chilling with random people hanging out you know with people and you know spark up a dube or whatever and just i just bullshit with whoever i could um right uh wh- whoever 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 uh, whoever had the good weed as i walked by whoever i could smell it like oh, i'm gonna go hang out with them over there for a second you know yeah. but uh, <laughs> uh but yeah so that oh sorry go ahead uh well i was just gonna say um uh but that that uh saturday night though you could tell that uh and i knew the next day was not going to be as heavy like i knew that when it came to bands you know i knew the next day was going to be a lighter bill but you could you could it was almost like that people weren't going to have it like i felt like oh they're not going to be happy with uh this this light fair and i thought it was gonna be t- they were gonna take it on the artists and i'd seen a lot of people throwing bottles and throwing shit up on stage already right so i thought they were gonna take it out on the artists instead they just took it out on each other in the, the, the fucking venue really um but yeah. Uh, right. Well, you know, which but, I guess in, in a way, I mean, because that's the thing from from all reports, there wasn't too many like person on person like violence. You know, it really, it really right. was more centered around vandalism and things like right. that. And I guess in, in a sense, like that was the saving grace of, of the whole thing, yes. because it could have gotten way worse. And not to say that a lot of people didn't get hurt, but it wasn't like people getting jumped, you know, and by, by yes. all accounts, like. The v- vendors and stuff were getting looted, but there was a lot of vendors that sold like hemp 
stuff and like pipes and shit, and they got away fine. You know, it was mostly yeah. like, oh, you're selling Woodstock stuff. We're gonna tear your your thing apart. You know, but no one was getting hurt like that. And I guess it, in a way, it's good that no one was taking it out on the axe because you know I'll I will defend Jewel uh, with my life sure. if I have to. Sure, <laughs> so. absolutely, absolutely. And that was the the best part about the 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 descent into madness is that. Uh, there was no target in the audience, uh, other than I, I will say, other than women, of course. Um, right, uh, and but, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Yeah, right. So, but there's no, but there's there's no other group in the audience. They're all kind of together, right? And it was kind of homogenized race wise, you know. So there's no one to pick out to go around in roving bands and pick out. I do know, like, I mean, security had to watch their backs, and vendors had to watch their backs. Like these people were gonna take or do whatever and nothing was going to stop them. If you decided to try to you know, be a hero, you're fucking stupid in a mob of people. You never win that fight ever, you right. know? Yeah. So uh, obviously a lot of guys, a lot of people are like, I'm put up their hands and said, I'm getting out of here with my life, you know, and not going to, you can have, have, take all this shit. Cause what am I going to, I'm not going to die over this t-shirt, you know, or whatever. Um, but yeah, that, uh, uh, that was definitely, where you could, you just, you just wonder, you just were happy that there wasn't too much, you know, murder or mayhem in that sense. Like that was just really good in that sense. But yeah, uh, yeah, it started to turn out. But I woke up Sunday once again. I woke up Sunday morning feeling good. I did a little rave. I did a little rave in the night before in the mysterious uh, rave yes, hangar. Okay, let let's let's get let's let's just do it. The rave. Yes. It's, it's in the hangar. It's where the George Clinton show was on the pre-show night. Right. Um, I, I I don't. Was it the same place that the emerging artist stuff was in the daytime, and then it, it became rave at night, or were there two different hangars? I, 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 don't, I don't know. I remember. never. I don't. I don't think I ever went to the emerging artist stage once myself. There was the, the, none of the names caught me, and I I, I was like, this isn't my weekend to experiment with and said listen to new sets of people I never heard to see if I like it. I was like, if something right. catches happens to catch my ear, I'll dig it. But I was like, I'm gonna stick. Yeah, I only have so much time in a day, and there's already two stages. So I was like, I'm not. I did, so I didn't see any of that. I don't know if it was, but uh, right. and those stages were like what, like a mile apart. Yeah, it was always when you look at a schedule, you'd be like, ah, oh, if it was back to be like, fuck, god damn it, you know, you know, you got to walk all the way across this in the sun, cooking your ass, you know. And it was like, all right, but if you if you wanted to see the music, that's what you had to do if you wanted to catch it. Yeah. Know? So yeah. So uh, but but the rave, yeah, the, the, we, yeah. We, I, I gotta I gotta hear about it. So Saturday night, it would it would have been Fat Boy Slim headlining. Friday, I think it was Moby. Uh, did you go yeah. both night? Like, re- did you stop at the rave like each night or just one? Uh, I, I I popped. I stopped at them each night um, because I, I was uh, you know under the influence of shit myself, so I was up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Friday night, I didn't I didn't stay in too long, uh, but Saturday night I hung out for quite a while. Um, and it looked like uh, it was like Tron meets, um, you know, the Batman movies with with like with the Val Kilmer and, and right. it's like all bright colored neon or uh-huh. whatever. Yeah, or I don't yeah. know if it's Val Kilmer or, uh-huh. or Clooney or whichever, but it was like with the the glow, everything was glowing, and I mean, it was like futuristic, wild. And I've been to some raves before too, so you know, there wasn't my my, my first rodeo there, but uh, it was definitely like whatever you want to do you go ahead and do i mean there was i saw people having sex you know whatever and everybody was doing lots of different kinds of drugs around and just open um, air too like from, yeah from, from all absolutely reports, 
You know, because again, yeah, I, like, the, the rave is the number one thing that wasn't really filmed that much because right. from all reports, it was so debauched, you know, and, right. and yeah, with like, right. like sex being being the big I, thing. It seems like the only place think where I, consensual sex was, was happening like all over. It, yeah, it, well, yes. I mean, well, one of the people, whenever I walk past by a pile of people doing stuff, the moaning all seemed fun and enjoyable moaning. Uh, let's put it that way. Right. Um, but uh I remember one person taking had a camera and like it took was taking some pictures like the flash was going off and I remember somebody distinctly saying to him don't take any fucking pictures man like somebody was like don't take any fucking pictures. and that kid that that particular person stopped right then and there I don't know you know but uh you know so there was kind of like uh people were like yeah we're going to do our thing here and if you were someone there looking for uh an authority or security or anybody who worked the place you wouldn't be able to find them I mean you didn't they were, you couldn't see any of those people around anywhere they're like just go ahead and do it and you know, but, um, Jesus so that was, uh, yeah. You know, and like I said, I'm, I'm all about uh, whatever your kink is. Uh, that's fine, man. As long as you ain't hurt nobody, uh, enjoy yourself. That's totally fine. And you should, you know, and uh, do it safely, do it fun. But, uh, um, the race Sunday though, be the place to, 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 to do that. But then, you know, again, you, and we have to talk about your your moment on on camera. Do you do you have memory of that of of you being interviewed yeah. on camera? Yeah, I was pass I was passing between two groups of people. One was a, a group of guys on either bleachers or like uh, risers or something. Uh, Fifty of them at least, uh, all standing there screaming, "Show us your tits!" As as women are are walking by, as anybody they're just screaming, everybody walking by. On the other side of me is a whole bunch of people uh, throwing plastic bottles at each other. Like not in the, like I, I saw that happening uh, during the seven dust set. I was there. That was a band I really wanted to see. And everybody threw their bottles in the air. It wasn't like that. It was just a, like a, a bottle war, you know, two groups of people throwing bottles. And, and I'm walking to, I don't know who I was going to see, but I'm walking towards the stage to go see a fucking gigantic band, you know? And, and uh, there's these guys. And uh, my one friend who was, who was a woman who was with me, uh, they're screaming, show us your tits at her too. You know, as they're walking by and I start screaming, show us your brains, show us your brains, you know? Right. And I get a tap, a tap on my shoulder and there's a woman and right behind her is a camera uh, a guy with a camera on his shoulder. And she's, she said, I'll never forget. She says, I love your mantra because I said it a <laughs> bunch of times. I'm like, show, as I'm walking, show us your brain. Show. She's like, I love your mantra. Do you want to be on uh, a TV show about Woodstock? I was like, yeah, it does for sure. And, um, so she said, she asked me, she's like, so what's going on? And I, I'm explaining, you know, I, I, there are people doing this over here and people doing this over here. And these are things, if you really wanted to do them, you could do them at home. Right. You could do them with a group of friends at the park. Okay. But at the same time, Brian Setzer Orchestra or Alanis Morissette or fucking Metallica or whoever it is anytime is playing live music right now. There's a drum circle. There's a skate park. There's a place to watch movies. There's all the drugs you could ever want. There's booze. There's <laughs> sex. It's all here. And this is what you're doing. One thing is just being stupid and that's fine. Be stupid. But why come there to be stupid? Yeah. And you could do that anywhere. The other is fucking misogynist bullshit. You know, it's like, that's what you're, so I like, it bothered, it really bothered me. I was pissed off at that. I was like, why are you fucking here? Like, you're ruining my time now. And I don't know how many of them paid or how many of them got it free. I have no clue. Right. But yeah. it, I, at least some of them paid and you paid $150 and this is what you're going to do with your time. Right. You know, so that, that really, really upset me. And I was just like, this is just fucking stupid, you know? And, 
and yeah, you, uh, and you came off like the voice of reason. It's 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 interesting because like every other guy that's interviewed in any of these things is like, it's fucking crazy, and you're like the yeah. one guy that's like, there's all this great music, like what the fuck, you know? Now, now yeah. having a, a a woman in your crew, like, what was she feeling? Like, like was she ever like yeah. uncomfortable? Like, guys, don't lose me, kind of a thing. Like, was there like a air of like we need to kind of look out for for our our friend like yeah. a little bit more than than each other, you know? For sure. For sure. Um, uh, she, she was dating, uh, our, my friend, John, who came, so the three of us came and they were a couple. Um, and there was a lot of times where I went off and did my thing and they went off and did their thing, you know, so we'd meet back up somewhere. And, uh, but as it, as it started to devolve, um, you know, and, uh, uh, uh we were, me, John and I were both cognizant of it and, and Tamara was, was scared at times. She's like, this is, you know, and she, it wasn't anything. She was, uh, uh, a stranger to being a, a, a young 20 something woman, you know, she dealt with fucking assholes in their, her life, you know, but uh, right. this on another level. So we all, we were just like, you know, we'll, we'll make, we'll, nothing's going to happen, you know, over our dead bodies, you know what I mean? Kind of thing. But we were, we knew once again, we were all experienced concert goers. Uh, we were smarter than most people. We were better prepared than most people. Um, with none of us, uh, I know that they didn't get close to any stages or into deep in any crowds where they, you couldn't get yourself out of uh, either, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. um, uh, I was never really worried for, for us. Uh, I was worried for a lot of other people. I was worried for all these kids who, who'd never really done this thing. I was like, there, a lot of people are going to, you know, I mean, obviously you knew the, in, you knew there were going to be injuries in the pits that you could see and this stuff going on. You knew there were going to be lots of injuries with that kind of stuff. You knew the heat stroke was going to be serious. I expected, I'll tell you, I, I, I expected a lot more dead people from heat stroke. I really, really did. I thought a lot more people were going to end up, when I heard the final numbers, 17 people died. That's what I thought. So luckily that didn't happen. But um, so she was, she was, and she actually, uh, uh, we haven't seen each other in a long time. And we just started talking because this documentary came out and she's standing right next to me there. It's like, oh my gosh, you know, so we just started talking. I said, we got to get together and go over our memories and what we remember. And, and, uh, and she even mentioned, she's like, yeah, it was, it was different for me. Yeah. I would love and to I talk said, to I, her too. You know, just send her, send her my way. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll definitely have her email. You. And I said, uh, and I said, I, I imagine it fucking was different for you. You know, I imagine it was like, like I said, uh, my own experiences at, at festivals and concerts that, that gave me confidence to not be scared, but I'm also a dude and I'm six foot six. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> You know, you don't rob a house with a dog barking in the window. You don't step up to a guy who's six foot six for no fucking reason. So I wasn't worried to, about myself for any of that. Tamara is five foot whatever, you know, uh, thin as a rail. She's you blow her away with a feather. Right. And it's like, you know, it wouldn't take but one guy, let alone a mob of fucking guys to, you know, for something bad to happen to her. Absolutely. So I'm thinking about all these other women, these poor girls. I'm like, this is fucking insane. And that was that was the worst part of the whole thing for me because like I said I expected it to all fall apart uh, because of what was going on but uh, I, I didn't expect it to just get so fucking machismo fuck nut bullshit yeah, you know it's really like, dark like that's the darkest yeah. aspect of the whole thing and you know without with I mean obviously the fires and all that stuff is one thing but without that aspect too they're pro- like I mean 
it wouldn't be in everyone's mind. It wouldn't be a part of history in the specific way that it is because, again, right. you have the original Woodstock with this free love thing and that reputation right. throughout the decades has carried on. And in the 90s, there's kind of like a second sexual revolution, you know, once, yeah. once the AIDS crisis had kind of like gotten like a tether around it to some extent. So everyone kind of right. felt like fun and young again. And yeah. then you, you know, have this negative shit. It's like, well, it's Woodstock. Anything goes. It's like, yeah, but not. Not fucking crime, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, Not- right, right. And you have, you know, once again, no. It was it was inevitable that something like that was going to happen in the year 1999. In the sense that there was going because we're coming to the end of this millennium, and when when it comes to that that age group and that generation, and you let, harken back to 1969, you it, the you have the idealism of Woodstock '69. There's all these hippies. They're young, they're hot, they want to screw, they're doing drugs, but they want to change the system and make things better, right? Now, all their kids and grandkids are at this concert, and they're measuring how much better are things 30 years later, right? you know? Like, great, we got the internet now, okay, but I mean, how much better, how much did you change? Like, war and uh, the things you were fighting against, the racism and things you were standing against at that time, how much of that has really changed? And for a lot of people, it, it didn't change a lot. Instead, it was just those people who were about that then suddenly were like, $150 a ticket, man, yeah. $8 a bottle of water, man, pizza's 12 bucks, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so, so, you had, so you have the end of the millennium, you have a generation that is disillusioned with their 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 parents before them because they said, "Hey, you guys are fucking it up," and then they didn't do shit about it. Yeah. So they're fucking mad about that. Uh, you have you have the the heat. You have uh, music, which I, I it does play a part in the sense that I absolutely believe if all the bands there were Mickey Hart and playing a drum, it wouldn't have happened like that. It, it yeah. wouldn't have happened like that. Yeah, I, I totally uh, agree. definitely wouldn't have. Um, but again, that, I'm not putting that on the bands themselves because the bands are the reflection of the times and the people. I mean, the bands are us. They are not from another planet showing up here to make music. They're living in the same world we're living in. So they're making music to reflect whatever it is they're living and going through, you know. Um, and a lot of that music reflected the same kind of feeling of the shit's fucked up. World's going to shit. Yeah. Uh, burn it down, you know, and, and the thing with the burn it down that gets me is like everybody, every, every motherfucker is like, oh, oh, let's watch it all burn. They say that until the fire reaches their doorstep. Right. And then they yeah. change their fucking tune. Right. So it's like change it. Let's make it better. Let's do what needs to be done here. You know, and um, I was hoping for, you know, uh, uh, a lot of people with some woke consciousness there because that's what the promoters were trying to tell you. That's what's happening. And that, that wasn't that at all. Um, you know, it's like, all right, uh, this is this is the the end of the millennium here, and this is what we're doing, and and things had definitely started changing. I mean, you had you had kids shooting fucking kids in school now, like that was the yeah. thing that was starting. And little little did we know it would become a fucking monthly thing for America. You know, it was like, oh my gosh, so things are really really changing. And I, I think you could look at like I would like a Venn diagram of people who were fucking assholes at Woodstock and people who stormed the Capitol on one six in the insurrection. (laughs) Like I bet there's an overlap there. I bet there's some of the same kind of fucking people, you know, um, who think that who, who, who who literally go out and destroy shit uh, for, for what, for some of it's a made up grievance and some of it is, uh, you know, not even worth 
yeah being a grievance you and, know and, just, and the mob mentality thing like you're talking about all it takes is one person to break a window and now it's like yes. okay well if one's already broken what's the threat and same with with woodstock 99 it's like if you see one guy reach up and grab a girl you know and you're a fucking stupid impressionable yeah. no morals fucking kid you know like say like, well i mean i guess that's what we do and then the fire yeah. it's another thing so on sunday there you know, yeah. it, like you said, it's a it's a much mellower bill. You have Elvis Costello and Jewel and and shit like that. And of course, the big headliner was Chili Peppers. Did you stay yeah. the whole time? Like 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 when yeah. like when could you start like really seeing like oh like they're gonna need to like bring in help for this? Yeah. Well, yeah, we were there the whole time, and um, it it what it, it was it was during the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and um, fire started out out in the crowd people throwing garbage and shit and just burning stuff and and yeah the, like you've mentioned like I, i've seen other people talk about the the group the the anti-gun group giving out the candles someone handed me a candle and they told me light it up during under the bridge and i immediately was like this is a stupid fucking idea <laughs> Dude, this is so stupid what are they giving candles out for really and so i was like just give a glow stick or some shit what are you doing right. so, yeah, anyway, exactly. like, okay. yeah. so they gave me this candle and 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 it, everybody lights them up. You can see, like, if you see the watch the footage in front of the stage, not so much the pit and stuff, but there's like a big horseshoe of light all around that pit, you know. And um, then they start throwing at the end of the song. They start throwing them into piles of garbage, of empty coke uh, things and uh, beer uh, cases or whatever. They just start burning fires, and that in and of itself was was like, all right, well, that I kind of started to expect that to happen, but it's not out of control yet. And then the dude, whoever the guy is, comes on stage and starts, you know, berating these people and saying, you can't do that. Don't build a fire yet. We're going to have to bring the fire trucks in, you know, and, and, and immediately the crowd was like, fire trucks sound fucking awesome. I would love a bunch of fire trucks here right now. OK. And the fires <laughs> just went just immediately got bigger, like because right after he says that it goes in, they, they start doing uh, right. uh, Jimi Hendrix. Yeah, and you can hear him. I go and I listen to this and you, they know, I mean, this is where it's funny when, when if you get in a debate or the talk about how does the music and how do the, the artists affect the scene and the vibe flea says, do we do it or should we do it right before they play the song? Yes. And we get to whoever's like, yeah, let's fuck. Right. So, I mean, it's, he's, he's cognizant of the fact that we're about to play a song called fire and there are fires out on the lawn, which are getting bigger already. So he's there. So it's like, yeah. uh, it, I, it's like you guys they, didn't learn like a backup Jimi Hendrix song. <laughs> like, yeah, really, really. You didn't learn like Purple exactly. Haze or something just in case. <laughs> right, exactly. Thank God they didn't play Machine Gun. Yeah. You know, I mean, my God. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so that so the fire starts to get off, and, and Chili Peppers walk off stage, and meet, and I could see on the far end of like past the crowd to where the one of the walls is, the perimeter of the place, I could see a huge gate is opening up, and there there are fire trucks starting to come in through this gate. And uh, like as the lights are going and people are people are loving it. They're like, oh, great fire trucks, you know, and then every, nobody is worried about any consequences because there's no one around uh, with authority. There's you certainly aren't seeing cops. Right. There's nobody armed. There's nobody. I got to fucking nobody's like, I got to worry about this dude. And nobody's worried about that at all. So yeah. they're just doing whatever. And so we start to peel. Uh, we were already in the back. end. we didn't get in close to the crowd during the show. So we start to peel away from the, uh, the crowd and uh, we come across. A, a large ring of people and they have already overturned a car and they're dancing and jumping up on top of this car. You Lord know, I'm like, flies. Oh man. Yeah. I'm like, well, this poor person's car that fucking blows, you know, but 
Uh, and I, I wasn't near the, the, I don't think I ever went over near the vendor area, but somehow I got separated from John and Tamara and I ended up back behind, like when the state troopers finally come out, I end up back behind the police line back near where some of the, uh, hangers are. And I go into one of these hangers and there's a cop and he's like, he's like, uh, who are you? He's like, you gotta go back to your camp. And I said, fuck no, man. I, I pointed behind me. I said, you see what's between me and my camp? I'm not, I was like, you're going to send me out in that. So I'm not going out in that. And he's like, Oh, he's like, all right, well don't cause any trouble. It's like, I'm not fucking dude. I'm trying to get out of the trouble. I'm walking away from the trouble right now. You know? Yeah. So I go in this hangar and there's uh there, there's people who must've been part of either the base or the show or something, but like running around with their fucking heads cut off uh, looks of shock and horror. Uh, we don't know what to do. What do we do? We don't know that, that kind of thing. You know, I saw a little bit of back. I don't know who any of these people were. They could have been one again, could have been on any level of, of hierarchy. I don't know, but uh, they were beside themselves and didn't know what to do. And yeah. a guy, I remember a cop telling them, you just, you stay in here. You tell these people, you stay here. You'll be fine. You know, cause nobody was, again, they weren't attacking. Uh, they weren't coming into this area. So everybody was kind of safe, you know, but um, then I, I walked, uh, I, I started walking around and, I had to see is I had to try to see what I could because I didn't want to be told what happened there. I wanted, I wanted from with my own eyes to know what was going on, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cause once in a lifetime event, I'm actually here. I don't want to, I don't want to learn on the news. anything. I want to see what I can see. And uh, I did see the tractor trailers, that line and then that started catching on fire. And uh, you could throughout the evening as uh, they, they just let them burn, I guess. Cause you could hear, uh, a lot of those trailers were either refrigerated or had some kind of compressed gases or tanks on it or whatever. And you could hear from what, as one trailer caught, boom. And then like 20 minutes later, the next trailer kitchen, they boom. And like for an hour or two, you could hear these pop, these things cooking off, basically popping off on each one of these trailers. It's like apocalypse now. Like, yeah. Everybody would turn their heads and like, and then we got used to it. Just and, and like, again, <laughs> the drums, the drums do not stop the whole time. So the drums are still going. And that was the fucking weirdest thing, man. Again, it's like, because I, I, I'm interested in, in, uh, history and different things and, and, uh, uh the cults and, and, uh, the powerful leaders and this kind of stuff, the, having this drum soundtrack the whole time, that is this weird discordant thing happening was, was, was no benefit in any sense like it just made it more chaotic more more terrifying uh uh and it was just the weirdest thing i would just i was like i just wanted to be like guys just now's the time to stop drumming <laughs> yeah. while the riots are happening now's the time to stop drumming you yeah. know but it is really bizarre i mean you don't really that's just something that you we've never really seen since, you know, in, in like a concert thing. I mean, even like, yeah. you know, when you think about other big concert disasters, I mean, Woodstock 99, that's why, you know, I've spent so much time on it. It's such an anomaly. And yeah, something yeah. like explosions going off in the distance with this like multi dozen people drums shit going on yeah. with, with people like you just standing on a hill watching it all burn like in disbelief. And like, right. you know, it, it's that will never happen again like that. You know, like yeah. not in a not in a, a concert setting. I guess crazy shit can happen right. out on the streets, but right. the fact that it's Woodstock and people seem to forget that, you know, because Woodstock right. '99 and then Woodstock, it's two totally different monsters, but it's supposed yeah. to be the same thing. <laughs> yeah, but, but you could, but the but the the connection between that and what's happening now, like, again, is just like the connection of '69 to '99 and 
what a generation saw as a fail, the, the failure of the generation before them to address the problems that they had. Right. And now you can see from that to here, yeah. uh, to our current time, um, the, 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 the idea of, uh, once, like we said before, that when when systems fall apart and the the, the, the things that are supposed to keep you safe and alive fall apart, uh, you know, people react and they react in large numbers. Um, and the misogyny and, and and the stuff that you would just hope, you know, some of the stuff from the stage, you would just hope some people, they wouldn't do that, say those kinds of things anymore or, you know, just think about it a little bit better, uh, um, be more aware of that kind of thing. Um, and then to... Uh, you know, I, I think that the I, that that feeling of burn it all down and like the world's going to end. Right. Whether it's Y2K or, you know, people are just fit in 99. They're just starting to really start. Anybody's paying attention is wrapping their heads around the climate change and what's going to happen. And 20 years later, all that shit is fucking real as hell. We all know that anybody who's well, yeah. yet paying attention knows it. So the, the kind of nihilistic idea of it's all going to shit doesn't fucking nothing matters that is becoming more prevalent, right? It seems to me in our society, that is becoming bigger and bigger. And that is a sad thing that uh, I, I, I'm sad to see that aspect of Woodstock 99 growing and metastasizing in our uh, society today. Yeah, um, absolutely. No, no, definitely. Well said for, for sure. And, I, you know, it's it's just one of those. And again, you know, there are a lot of parallels between 69 and 99. Like we always said, you know, like we always compared Columbine to the Manson murders where it's like the Manson murders kind of killed the 60s yeah. and the idea of hippies. And then the Columbine was like, well, the kids aren't all right. You know, and then you have. Yeah you know, Altamont, which was the big, you know, music thing that was going to be like, oh, this is going to be like the next big thing, but it's a copy of a cop. You know, it's a copy of something. Right. You can't recreate lightning in a bottle. So it goes wrong. And then with Woodstock 99, it's like, you know, it's not like, yeah, Lollapalooza is that that was kind of like the festival of the 90s. It's like, well, you, right. you can't just like spark a Woodstock out of nothing. You know, it's like there's a lot, yeah. of, like you said, a lot of things go into it. The music is the sign of the times and, you know, yeah. society and, will act the way that they feel they need to. Right. And really all, all the people who, who put that show on, they all, they shouldn't fucking known that they should have known you can't make it happen again. And that, um, uh, that it, it obviously for a lot of them, it seemed it was the money that was, what was important and not recreating this feeling. It's like, if you really want to recreate that feeling, you just do something new. And if it's real and organic, it'll bring the right people to it. It may not be as big as Woodstock, but is that if all you're trying to do is be big, well, fuck anybody can be big if they got enough money behind them. Exactly. You know, that doesn't mean shit. Right. Yeah. So it's like, so it's like, uh, it, it didn't feel like any of them were really trying to get, get that feeling back. You know I mean? And you, you you're not going to get it when you're booking acts that are reflecting the negative aspects of our society that we're living in, yeah. you know, uh, uh, and in a, and in a way where it's again, not just reflecting negative because you, you know, uh, uh, they're talking about, uh, four dead in Ohio. They're talking about, you know, national guard killing people. And so, I mean, they're talking about dark stuff then too. Right. Yeah. But, course, but, yeah. but every, but it's always with, but I love you, man. And we're in this together, man. And I love you, man. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? It's all that. So that none of that is being couched in, in Woodstock 99, right. you know? Yeah, no, and, and that's a good point, too, yeah, with the with the Kent State thing. I feel like in 69, there was a true rebellion. It's like, what are you rebelling against? Well, the the war and, so and, you know, and civil rights and, and like, all, all this stuff that, that we're demanding, yeah. you know, and this positive change in 99, it's like, what are you rebelling against? Well, what do you got? You know what I mean? It's yeah, the, the, exactly. The angel adage, because it's like there wasn't too many, like, it was – it was all the society was the problem. It wasn't, yeah. you know, microcosms in the society. It was as a whole, it was just like spoiled. And, you know, like you said, Y2K was that like on the tip of anyone's tongues? Like as far as like the attitude of partying at that time? Yeah. I mean, it was, I mean, Prince said it, you know, it was 1999 and we were going to fucking party. I mean, it, that was the, I felt that was the feeling the whole year. Like any concert I went to or anything we did, we were, doing shows at the Roadhouse Theater. It was just always a party and always a good time. And everybody was like, oh, the end of the millennium. And a lot of people joked about the end of the world and, you know, the Y2K. And nobody I was around was seriously worried about it. Well, some of the people I were around were like, were hoping, you know, every computer would, would stop working, you know. <laughs> some of the old some of the old heads I used to hang out with were like, that'd be the best thing that ever happened to this planet. And right. I'm like, maybe, I don't know, you know what I mean? But, uh, but um so that yeah, that that's just a confluence of events, and it really it really could have been different. I put the I put the real onus on the promoters and the people who ran the show. Uh, absolutely, um, yeah. I think you could have had the same bands and not had that craziness if security was right. There was water for everyone, uh, better accommodations. Um, you know, just more people that you could tell they, they work here. They, you know, so there's, you, you don't just do whatever cause there might be consequence and, and, you know, making a fucking example out of somebody, if you got to make an example, you know, in front yeah. of the crowd, fucking grab him up if he's doing something, you know, whatever, I don't know, but absolutely it, without, yeah, without that preparation and without the manpower and the training, there's nothing to be done. There's no fighting that mob. There's no fighting that many people. It's, it's a give up situation and retreat and clean up the fucking mess you know what i mean right you could tell that was going to happen regard well, no matter what you could tell it was going to happen and we didn't know how but we we saw how it happened and uh exactly yeah well fucking as, wild. as the sun sets on on rome new york and the fires are building and, and you make your way back like let, let's let's leave Woodstock now. So you're going back. Yeah. Is your shit all there? I mean, like, what was what was the campsite yeah. like, and what was the ride home like? You know, yeah, our campsite was all right. Uh, all of our stuff was still there. Um, uh, I, uh, when we came out, the the real bummer was that I guess I parked in a place I wasn't supposed to because my car had been towed. Ah. God. And I wasn't the only well, like wherever I parked there. I parked in a big line of cars and all those cars were gone. And I'm sure there was a sign there that, you know, my stoned ass didn't see. So now I got to fucking hunt. I got to go back in and fucking hunt down. Like how, who, who, you know, what company did you have tow cars? You know, I get the number and we get a ride there and I have to pay like 150 bucks to get my fucking car out of Hawk. <laughs> so that was, a, and that was all me, my fault, 100%. Right. You know, but uh, we're, I mean, we're completely burnt out. We are, we are just toast. And uh, we get the car and we start driving back. And it was, it was a quiet ride back. It was a quiet, we didn't, we talked about what happened a little bit, but, I think a lot of us were in, or were uh, had a little bit of PTSD because it was fucking, you know, the biggest thing we'd ever been a part of, no doubt about it. Not necessarily for all of us, you know, something we had, we'd seen some crazy shit in our time, if you will, but nothing on this scale. Uh, so I think we were all a little shell shocked for for the ride home. Um, but uh, 
we we go home and uh, I go when I get back to the, my job. The first time I get back to my job, everybody who were the same people were putting money in my tip jar <laughs> to get me the ticket. What the fuck happened, dude? What the <laughs> fuck happened? You know, I'm like, I'm like, oh, I got a story for you. You know, so so All I right. told that story from the counter for for months. And uh, then Fox and then Fox does that special with the guys from the, uh, that 70s show. And I fucking see myself and Tamara. I'm like, oh, my God, we're on TV. And I couldn't believe it. I'm like, holy shit. But I, and if you watch that Fox special, a few, like a minute before me, they, they're in it. They're talking to two guys who just got done who are ripping the wall down. Yes. And they're yeah. asking, like, what do you, why are you doing this? And the one guy sounds like uh, the wheezing, like the gravel guy. He goes, he goes, because it's not. He goes, no. He goes, why not? That's the question. <laughs> like, like he's fucking Descartes or Shakespeare getting all fucking yes. philosophical with us. You know, it's like. <laughs> and the other guy goes, because I'm bored. There's nothing to do. You know. Yeah, and which just proves your fucking point so much. But yeah, right. No, and I've, I'm pretty sure we've at least played samples of that. We've definitely posted videos of that stuff like on, on our Patreon and things. Jeez. Yeah, that guy, that's the real question. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking yeah. about. He's like a raise. He's fried from the sun. Yeah. It, yeah. It, 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 it's great. Well, and then, you know, 20 some odd years later, here here we are. You know, you're back on television. Uh, the the same man. clip, you know. Fucking <laughs> I, wild. I've had you here. It's been, it's been awesome talking to you, dude. I'm so glad you found us. Let your friends that you went with know that we We'd love to talk to them too. Get kind of the, you know, like a Quentin Tarantino script. Yeah. Where it's like you get the one person, oh, yeah. then let's get the other persons, and we'll combine them all at the end. You know, for sure. And I, and I definitely, I'll definitely have Tamara get old you because I, I like you to, uh, from a woman's perspective. And Absolutely. even I haven't like, like after it was like, you know, we stayed friends for a while, but then we kind of you know went separate ways in different ways. And and I don't think we ever had a re- we certainly know Narisa had a real sit down talk about you know how what happened like her experience like from like Tamara tell me everything you remember. And what you felt like, I, I don't know that I ever really did that. So I, I'd love to just hear the interview by you guys. But I, I want to say I've been I've been enjoying the podcast. I've been binging on it ever since I found it just like a couple weeks ago. And uh, you guys, all you guys, I really appreciate your 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 thoughtfulness, um, your morality. You know what I mean? The ethics you guys seem to have. Thank you. And you yeah, still we, we and you still like. And you still like to be able to party too, right? So it's like we can combine, we can do it all, can't we? Yeah, we can get fucked up. You can have your cake and eat it too. That's right, absolutely, (laughs) absolutely. So, so I appreciate what you guys been doing, and I'll definitely keep following along. But I'll have I'll have my friends contact you, and uh, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I know you guys had pretty much kind of ended the podcast, and you were still doing some survivor stories. But now that the HBO documentary is out, probably gonna, people will be looking you up, I'm sure. So. Oh, yeah. And there's going to be, you know, there's a couple others being made right now. I know Netflix announced that they yeah. have one going. HBO just kept their secret, so they were the first ones to release a trailer for it. Right. But, like, I know that there's several other companies making them right now, too. So uh, yeah. you might, you might yeah. be Wild. popping up, uh, you know, on several other screens. But what- my one friend said I'm trailer famous. I said and that means different things in different parts of the country, bro. <laughs> <laughs> So, Absolutely. Well, right on, right. Thank, thank you so much, man. I yeah. really appreciate it. I'm, I'm gonna grab a screenshot of you really quick because I'm gonna do a little, uh, a, a little, uh, you know, comparison. All right, ready? Cool. Gotcha. Perfect, All right. man. All right, yeah. we'll talk soon. Thanks, man. Have a good one. Take it easy. Later. 
Well, that might be just one of the best survivor stories that we've had on. Uh, it's also awesome to have someone that we've seen over and over, even though it's the same clip, but over and over in all these different Woodstock 99 videos. So, yeah, special uh, shout out there to Aaron for coming on today. If you went to, worked at, or played Woodstock 99 or know someone that did, contact us at podcast99official at gmail.com. Or on Instagram at Podcast99. I'm Ryan Lichten, and I'll see you at Woodstock.